Hello and welcome to Sound of Play. Wednesday in Sound of Play we bring you some of our and your favorite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. Different voices starting off this time as uh, Leon and Ryan are taking uh, well-deserved breaks. So uh, yeah, there was nobody else basically. So uh, me and the one and only Jason Taylor decided to step in. So yeah, to, to, to put it officially, joining me, Michiel Kroder, in Sound of Play 231 is Jay Taylor. I was going to say, you said Jay Taylor. You mentioned Jason earlier. Only my gran called me Jason, and she's dead, so... All right. Yeah, 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 we drew the short straws this... (laughs) Well, rather you did, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. it's... uh, I I mean, it's kind of... uh, It it feels a bit strange, because uh, I've only ever been on uh, Sound of Play as a guest, and... Video game music isn't really my uh, my forte, that aspect of video games, but still I find myself on a number of, uh, of shows, specials mostly. Uh, and you, you haven't been on uh, any sound of play that I can recall, or maybe really in the beginning, have you? Uh, well, have you been listening to them? I've been on, I was on a few back in the day, and I think... Back in the day, right? The last time, and I could be wrong about this, but I think the last time that I actually did the sound of play, I actually hosted it. It was me and Rich. Mm. Did a sound of, and 
you know, you won't hear it in the edit because I had to tidy the hell out of the mess that it was right. yeah, in yeah, the yeah, edit. Yeah. But um, I think it was like a two-hour recording because I tend to like it's a this this podcasting lot's a lot harder than people think it is, mm. <laughs> and it's like oh no, <laughs> and I just kept fluffing it up, and then my response is when I screw it up, I'll I'll just rip the hell out of it and yeah. just run off at the mouth and swear and cuss everything and stuff. So, uh, yeah, but that was, yeah, I think that might have been the last time I was actually on this show. Right, yeah, and so. and you could hardly tell because you pretty much almost cut yourself out of the show. Uh, yeah, but that wouldn't be the first time either. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, this is, this is, in fact, a very rare treat, um, as especially for uh, non-Canarins uh, Patreon uh, subscribers, because... Uh, Nobody really gets to hear that much of you, uh, being one of the co-founders of, uh, of Kenny Rins. So people that are not subscribed to Kenny Rins on Patreon might not know uh, what you've been up to uh, in, the, the last, uh, in the last year or so. They might not know even if they are subscribed to Patreon. What are you on about? Um, I do well. listen to the uh, monthly Patreon casts, of course, with you and, uh, and Leon. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I know... So you've brought a few picks along for uh, for this show, and yeah. I wasn't at all surprised because I do listen to those shows. So yeah, it's, it sort of sketches uh, or it sort sort of lines out the games that you've been playing over. Uh, well, of course, in the does. last year, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, like it has to. If you're if I'm put in the spot and I need to come up with tunes that are that, well, think of a few bits of video game music. The easiest option is just to pick the games that have been playing recently. So it's mm-hmm. just, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense, yeah. Mm. So we started off the show with Undercroft uh, by composer Ola Strand. That was a track of The Division 2, uh, developed by Massive Entertainment, published by, of all houses, Ubisoft. Mm. Um, yeah, can you tell me a little bit more about your pick and uh, this track in particular? Uh, well, I mean, the track itself, or rather the music itself, it, it it's a strange soundtrack because a lot of the time you're not really... He- well, you do hear the music. You, the mm-hmm. music's kind of constant, but it, a lot of the soundtrack is like that kind of soundscape kind of stuff that's in the background that you're not really paying attention to. It's almost like just an atmosphere, just a... Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it just adds a bit of flavour to the scene. But there's a few tracks on this which which actually... And this is not to knock it in the sense that it, it sounds like something else, but it actually reminds me of um, Daft, Daft Punk's soundtrack to Tron Legacy. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's, right. it's got that very synthy kind of... Or, I wouldn't say... I don't know how to describe this. I'm lousy with like correct musical terminology because it's just, yeah. you know, it's not my bag. So why would I know? Um, <laughs> but it's got but that you, kind you of... Are a, you are a music, a music person, right? We did speak to, uh, on the rest show together, and I do know that you've got a yeah a fondness of uh, electronic music as well in particular. I like music, but that's as far as it goes. Um, I wouldn't say yeah. that you know everybody kind of likes well normal people. Mm. Well, I say normal people, but most people like music, right? Because it's yeah. weird not to. But it's yeah, I'm not somebody who focuses on on like. You know, it's not like other uh, mediums, so like video games or comics or whatever, where you're like looking into the artists and past works and stuff. I don't right. really do that with music. I just happen to like the scores and stuff. And to be honest, I rarely ever look at who's created something unless mm-hmm. I'm on a podcast where I have to kind of know 
who and even then I didn't actually look at what Ola's strength has, has done before this. So it's just but it, this this particular track plays at various points in the game and I it just stood out to me. Um mm. It sounds very threatening, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's like it's just yeah, there's a few quite standout moments and it, it's it's standouts because of when you're playing the game, which, you know, I'm gonna saltbox this because I've said it on our monthly show several times. The Division Two is a great game. <laughs> it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um I'm really, really into it. And I have played the hell out of this over the sort of the Christmas period. Um it's at that stage for me where I can just pick up and play it, put it on for half an hour, do a mission or two, or join somebody else's game and help them out or do a bit of co op um and then turn it off. And it's just that that nice kind of easy sort of slide in and out of gameplay at the moment. So, mm. but I I bloody love this game. I think it's it's really incredible. I I picked three tracks for this this particular show, and and two of them are Ubisoft games. There was yeah. in my initial picks were all Ubisoft games, but I thought ah, there's a pattern here, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and I, I decided yeah. to change our last one. But it's um. But there is this thing where it's just they have to be at this point um, probably one of my favorite publishers at the moment. Well, mm. sort of pu- publisher slash developer because they kind of yeah. do both. But um, I have I have spent so much time in 2019 when I look at all the games that I played over the course of the year. I think it's like 70 percent Ubisoft games. Uh, Yes, yeah. kind of. They ridiculous. do take up a lot of time, of course. Well, they do, especially is... if if you play them the way you do. And, yeah, hundred you know, percent. Milk, milk them for all they're worth. Yeah, well, <laughs> particularly if they begin with like Assassin's Creed. Yeah, then definitely. But um, yeah, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's just a kind of a thing at the moment. Yeah, and so did, did you uh, already get the Division Two at launch, or did you start playing it at launch? Or no, no, I didn't. Um, mm. Probably the wisest choice, right? Always, I think it's it's the way I am anyway. I and I know don't buy games day. It's rare that I buy games day one. Looking back over 2019, I think I I'm trying to think now. Apart from games that Kai got me when she was at Sony, which you know I didn't pay for them, so it's not the same thing. Yeah. Um. There, I think there was only one game that I bought day one last year, which was um. Yeah, I'm just racking my brain about that. Actually, I'm just looking at the shelf. Yeah, it is. Um, it was Death Stranding was the only game that I bought on launch. Mm. So I'm not a big launch fan, and there's a lot of reasons. Save money for starters. Yeah. Um, but also you've got this thing where, and particularly with Ubisoft games, and that's not a, again, it's not meant to be a slight or a dig at no. them. But there's often a lot of issues with it's video games in in the 21st century. There's there's often a lot of bugs that need to be ironed out. I yeah. know that a lot of people like to moan about this stuff and say, well, you know, we shouldn't release it. Yeah, it's not quite that simple these days, and there's a lot of reasons why it happens. Mm. Um, but I like the fact that these games can be patched post-buying yeah. them. And so there's often a, a really good reason to just wait. And if it's a month or three or six, as it often ends up being, um, post-launch, you end up with a far more consistent, a far better title. Yeah, and particularly with Ubisoft, they have this incredible reputation for post-launch support, like including DLC and and a lot of free stuff. Like their mm-hmm. approach with you know microtransactions or rather just post-launch DLC is quite. They don't always hit get it right. I mean, Ghost Recon Breakpoint seems to have like 
irked a lot of people and was mm. quite a misstep recently. But the Division 2, all the DLC has been free. And so I, when I came in on this, and they do this other thing, which is it happened exactly the same with Ghost Recon Wildlands, which is they do this basically full game demo for about four days, like limited timed demo, which is mm. the whole game. So all 100 gig of this was available to download. You install the full game. Now, uh-huh. you don't get trophies or any of that kind of stuff, but you get a taste for what it really is. Not a demo, not an abridged demo or a post-alpha you know, alpha state sort of, you know, where you get that message at the start saying, this is not the final product, you know, I, something might change. I hate that. but So you get the full game, and it's also usually at the same time, it coincides with like a 70% off deal on the stores. So it's perfect. I've, I've bought two of their games, two quite similar games, Ghost Recon and, and Division, bought them exactly the same way because of this. Because it's like, I'll try it because I was interested. There's something about the game that I fancied playing. You try yep. it, you're playing it for a day, maybe two, and then you're in. <laughs> and then it's like, <laughs> I'm liking it. But that's, you know, I've got no beef with this because I think I, I get to feel what the game is. And mm-hmm. I get to really kind of get into it without worrying about the time. You know, I've got four days. So it's plenty of time to, to see if you've, you've, you, you like it or not. And if you don't yep. like it, then you just delete it off your hard drive, job done. Yep. But if you do like it, it's currently like less than 20 quid on the store. It's like, perfect. Right, bang, mm. there you go. Yeah, I can see it. And I enjoyed that uh, that track, Under, Undercroft. Um, mm. It's all, it's borderline industrial sounding as well. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I can sort of picture, I can sort of picture this scene that it would be playing under in my head when I see mm. it. Nothing too cheerful, you know, nothing too, uh, too happy or chipper. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I mean, it, as a soundtrack, I don't think that it kind of, it doesn't set the world on fire, but I feel that there is a lot of soundtracks like this, but what mm. it does when you're playing the game, it fits perfectly and it yep. enhances, like when you're having one of these massive firefights with, you know, and you've got other players in and there's all the enemies are swarming in and you sort of, you know, it, it's a cover-based shooter essentially, but it's or a looter shooter as everybody, like the terminology or whatever, but it's... It's so fun, and the soundtrack just enhances that feeling, mm. you know, when you've got this sort of driving yeah. electronica score going off in the background, and it's just like, you know, it's just, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of cool, you know? Yeah, and different soundtracks serve different purposes. Yeah. It doesn't always have to be that humdinger uh, and that, that earworm that uh, you'll continue to, you know, hum and, 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 and sing along to long yeah. after you stop playing the game. I, I don't think this score overall has those earworms per se i feel there's a lot of it that is it's very much just soundscapey kind of atmospherics as opposed to actual kind of there's nothing on this soundtrack that i could remember it's like you listen to it there's a lot that you immediately recognize ah yeah 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 that's from the menu screen or whatever but there's nothing that i could tell you what it is you know it's not like you could i there's none of the soundtrack that i could remember Mm. Like to hum or to, not, you know, I'm Tom Deaf, so I can't do any of that stuff anyway. <laughs> like Tom yeah. completely fudging. Yeah, or, or, at, or at least you, it's, it's nothing you like, you wake up in the morning too and it's uh, going through your head. Like uh, I'd be worried for, if I actually thing. woke up in the morning thinking <laughs> of like, hearing this kind of music, yeah. you know. But it's like, yeah. yeah. But yeah, we we've got a good variety of tracks uh, for this, uh, for, this uh, sh- for this show, uh, for this installment of Sound of Play. Mm. 
among which a couple of earworms, uh, I think. So with that said, let's move on to our second track, which is a pick from Mr. Flabio from the forum. Uh, it's an older pick. I, I mean, Leon has been doing his uh, due diligence and he's been uh, picking up the slack with uh, with forum requests, uh, sound of play requests quite well. Uh, so it was it was hard to to find tracks that haven't that hadn't been played yet, uh, and so this is from a post of October fourth, uh, two thousand nineteen, and it's a little bit sad because uh, Mr. Flavia uh, writes heard today the pretty awful news that one of the great C sixty four composers Ben Daglish passed away earlier this week at the age of fifty two. So we uh, we've also um, played a couple of Ben uh, Daglish tracks on mm. Santa Play in his memory. You probably see people my age tweeting the Wastelands theme from The Last Ninja, where he shared composing duties with Anthony Lees quite a bit this week. It's by far the most famous piece from that game. This was among a bunch of tunes that first introduced me to my love of video game music, back when I was just a lad. I actually prefer the theme from the level after that. And the level after that is The Wilderness, uh, of course, also by Ben Daglish and Anthony Lees, from The Last Ninja, a game released in 1987, and that's what we'll be listening to now.
Jay, you're uh you I hope you don't mind me saying this, but you're uh the oldest member on the Kane and Rinse team. Yeah, f you, Mikhail. I'll bleep that. But the, the, bleep, the bleeps are coming out in force tonight, I think, with this, with this recording. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, from what I remember when I, when I heard you speak, for an example, uh, for example, on the, uh, the PlayStation console special that we did, yeah. is you didn't really get into gaming from a very early age like Leon did, for example, right? Uh, kind of, yeah, it, so... Yeah, I wasn't like it was a side it was another thing that that was going on, but I was more interested in Star Wars um mm. and science fiction and music and stuff, I suppose. No, music didn't come in till I was late teens, I think. But yeah. yeah. So definitely not the music produced by the uh, Commodore 64 sit well, chip. No, but I, I was so I, there was always video games around. Like I had a, an, a, you know, I got my first console in like '79, mm-hmm. um, and then got an Atari. But it was like from the Atari it went to the Mega Drive. Yeah. Um, so I skipped the eight-bit period altogether, and then from the Mega Drive, it wasn't until like you know, well, it wasn't that many years later, but it was like the Mega Drive, then the PlayStation. But like video games were always around. You know, and I would love playing in the arcades whenever we went on holiday or, you know, just the Space Invaders at the family business and stuff. It was that stuff. Mm. But it wasn't like a big deal. It wasn't right. like, it was just something else. Yeah. But a friend you were not, of my, not hooked yet. No, but um, it, it, the, one of my best friends at school had a, a Commodore. Mm-hmm. But I used to play Ghostbusters on it all the time. Um <laughs> And yeah. when you look at it, it's a sh- it's crap. Like <laughs> you look at these. I mean, uh, it's one of those things. When your kids, the quality of the game wasn't kind of the thing. Mm-hmm. There was just. I mean, I used to, and I can't even remember what computer it was that he had. But it was my next door neighbor who was a few years older than me. He was like, I think he was about three years older. He had a computer, and I can't even remember what it was. It was just you know your classic green screen. Computer, all, all kind of in one unit thing that he had. But yeah. He used to play this game, and it was—I I swear, I—I—I I, I can't remember what it was called, but I'm sure it was something like Inferno. And it mm-hmm. was basically each level was a floor, and exes would simulate fire, and you had mm-hmm. to quickly find your way from one exit to the other exit to get out before the fire consumed the floor. This sounds like some early IBM PC stuff. Yeah, it probably uh, was. Me, with monochrome like, monitor, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so we would play this all the time, you know, but it was always that. But it would just be those kind of things constantly yeah. in the background and stuff, yeah. But, uh, you know, it's like you could go back now and you could really sort of siphon off all the cream from the rest of it, you know. There's, there's clearly, uh, as is always the case, there are fantastic games on all systems. Yeah. You've just got to... When you're 13, 12, 13 years old, you ain't discerning enough. You no, know, you don't not care. at all. I mean, it's it's already magical by itself that you're controlling yeah. these characters on the yeah, screen, yeah. you know? That was whether, it, yeah. whether they control well or not, yeah. you're doing something and something's happening on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. So The Last Ninja is a game I didn't have the most experience with back in the days. Um, I did see, watch some friends play it. 
And it was a real looker at the time. Mm. Isometric, beautiful uh, animation on the main character. Yeah, uh, a real dog to play now if you if you try uh, try yeah. it. It's uh, yeah, it, it doesn't control very fluidly uh, at all. Wouldn't that be the case for all N sixty four games? Oh, not N sixty four. God, <laughs> don't De- Dezel, I've hide for saying that but it's like um <laughs> yeah it, no but all commodore 64 games now i'm sure there's like yeah know. some of them are all right uh yeah. but yeah I, i'm much more of a proponent of the uh the japanese 8-bit games uh in general but yeah yeah there's 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 definitely uh exceptions uh but that sound chip of the c64 that sit chip was mm. uh really rocking and it's kind of mind blowing now when you listen back to the music that compos- composers were putting out uh, on it, and yeah, I mean, still electronic dance music producers nowadays yeah. use elements of those, you know, glissando, t- mm. yeah, those typ- typical uh, tones and, and sounds of the uh, of the sit chip. So yeah, that kind of leads in uh, to the one of the picks that I did for this one, which is also. Heavy ninja uh, focused. Yeah, um, yeah it was, uh, it's uh, for a game called The Messenger. It was released only last year, uh, 2018. Oh, that's, that's already the year before that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, in 2018 for PC, Switch, and PS4. Uh, very Ninja Gaiden 8-bit inspired short or, or, or uh, a very snappy game to play. Yeah. Controls brilliantly and very driving music that's part, almost like the music sounds like a, like a, um, yeah, like a fusion between of of the NES and the C sixty four chip. Uh, the way it comes together, uh, the C sixty four sound definitely um, is, yeah, sort of uh, invoked by the again the sort of glissando tones in the in the track. Mm-hmm. And I played this at a friend's house in the year of its release, and I was immediately taken just by the music only i don't jump on every pixel graphics indie game that comes out uh, nowadays but just you know it it was really fun to play and the music yeah. really fit it and it just it's a real banger this is hills of destiny uh the past version because there's in the the messenger you're playing either in the past 8-bit style or in the future uh 16-bit style and you sort of switch between the two. Oh, that's cool yeah, it's really cool. And the 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 reason why I chose the past version is I think because the tracks sound 8-bit in their composition and the shrillness and the harshness and the fuzz of the 8-bit instrumentation sort of fits this track better than its more polished uh, multi-instrumental uh 16-bit uh yeah, counterpart. So this is Hills of Destiny passed by Rainbow Dragon Eyes.
have to say that Rainbow Dragon Eyes is an awesome name for whether <laughs> yeah. it's a composer or a band. I have no idea, but it's still kind of an awesome name. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a pseudonym of one person. Uh, yeah. And I, I like that there's no spaces in there either. It's just Rainbow Dragon Eyes. One, yeah. one go. Yeah, so did, were, you, were you at all familiar with The Messenger? I wasn't. Not really your nah, bag, I suppose. I have very... Um, I. I wouldn't. I have an open mind towards video games. I won't, you know. But I have a very um, limited palette when it comes to the stuff that I play. Mm. I have a very particular taste, and I'm I'm not somebody who necessarily sort of goes out. So you know, I play games because I want to just. I enjoy playing certain types of games, and I I get the most fun out mm. of those. So I tend to just focus on them. I'm not like. We've got, you know, we've got a fair mix within the team of different kind of tastes and yeah. and stuff. And yeah, I I border on just, you know, ah, oh, what kind of, how can you describe it that it doesn't sound critical? <laughs> but it's but it's this very <laughs> narrow kind of perspective, like not perspective, very narrow taste. And there's mm. stuff that I like, and there's a lot of stuff that I'll look at and think that was cool, but I'll never play it just because it's not really yeah. my bag. I'm not into like. Yeah, a lot of these older games um, tend to feel like there's a more immediate. Uh, now, if I if I start going on about what I think, I'll just put my foot in my mouth and and just sound like a dick. <laughs> but um, I won't do it. Um, but no, te- yeah, long long answer to get to a simple thing. No, I've never played it. So, but uh, but yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> That's clear enough. No, but it's it's fair. We we all have our preferences. I yeah. mean, I'm kind of like Leon in that I have a quite a yeah broad interest, yeah, yeah. and I kind of yeah. want to play everything. But on the other hand, I do have my preferences. And once there, you know, if there's a new 2D fighter or a new yeah. 2D shoot 'em up or a new 2D platformer that comes out and which you know with uh, which is highly polished and yeah. made by people with a with a with a large pedigree and a lot of uh, mm-hmm. experience in those genres. That's sort of the thing I tend to jump on first before anything else. You yeah. Know? Even though I want to play a lot of other games as well, but it's sort of sort of what you what your attention gets drawn to most of the time. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And your attention was <laughs> for seventy percent, as you said before, taken up by uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey uh, over the past year, right? Well, because uh, uh, like Assassin's Creed Odyssey was actually, I think, the fourth Assassin's Creed game I played last year. Because I went through at the start of the year, wow. um, I started with Unity. I basically caught up on Assassin's Creed because mm. I'd, I'd stopped playing at Black Flag. And, j- yeah. and they just got ahead of me because it's just, you know, it's like if you take a couple of years out with this franchise, it just suddenly there's like four games out and you're like, what? And you know, there, it's it's quite an undertaking, and the risk with games like of that ilk is that once you start falling behind, it's really hard to be motivated to catch up because it's like it's such an undertaking. Because you're looking at, you know, quite possibly between fifty and a hundred hours to play each of these games if you, if you play them like I do. <laughs> yeah. Um And so I started early, right at the beginning of last year. I started with. um Back in January, I think I started with uh, Unity, then went to Syndicate. Um, that's the only one I've sort of stopped playing before finishing because I really did not get on with it. I didn't like it. Um, mm. I've got a copy of it since because it was a fiver, and I thought I should. I want to try it again once yeah. I've kind of cleansed my palate of Assassin's Creed because I literally went straight from 
Unity, which I really enjoyed mm. and thought, yeah, screw it. I'm up for more Assassin's Creed. <laughs> Jumped straight into a syndicate and then fell straight out of love with it. Like I got about, I guess about 15, 20 hours in and just wasn't, it wasn't clicking at all. So I stopped, then went into Origins, mm. played that to 100% completion all the way through. Loved every yeah. moment, every moment and thought, how can they better this? This is amazing. This this world, the changes they brought to that franchise as, well, we're going to talk about the, I mean, this is one of the first four shows we're starting with the main podcast this year. So it's like, yep. we're going to get the chance to, well, I don't even know if I'm on that show. If I'm not, why not? <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Look at that. You, I should, you should be on it. Yeah, I, I, I should be. I probably am. I just can't remember the ones I am, I'm actually doing this year. But so I came out of Origins thinking, Okay, let's see how they up the game with this. And I had a, a couple of moments. I had a couple of games that I wanted to play in between. I think Days Gone was one of them. You know, none of these <laughs> games are short. They're all like big hundred-hour <laughs> epics. But yeah, got into Odyssey, and literally, it's it's quite possibly one of my favorite games ever at this point. Like, mm. I clicked with this game literally from the moment that I started playing it. I, I love the character, I love the world, and it sucked me in, and like any kind of open world game to date, I just, I never, I played this, I, I mean, my intention was to play it, to get through the main campaign, to see how I felt about the DLC, and mm. then maybe have a breather, and then go into the DLC later. I didn't do that, I literally, I'd bought the DLC and installed it before <laughs> I'd finished the main game, because I knew I was in. I think I spent 211 hours going through the whole thing, clocked 100% of everything. And I don't think any game has, has quite had that effect on me. I absolutely love this title from top to bottom, mm. start to finish. If, you, if that never feels like work, like you're just filling out, yeah. filling out a checklist or you're yeah. trying to get your platinum, uh, you know, almost yeah. in a sort of obligatory, compulsory way, then that's a sign of, yeah, it's pretty much being your game, yeah. Yeah, like anybody who, who listens to um, the monthly show on the Patreon will, will hear that. I often talk about open world games are the thing. Like, if you say we have an open world game, that's usually when my little antenna go up and go, oh, because yeah. <laughs> that's something I, I love, open worlds. And, I, yeah. you know, I think there's a lot of reasons why I love them, but... It's it's just that scope and scale of of the and and the playground, the sandbox, if you will, that you've got to play around in. I I just it it just draws me in. Mm. But this game, and I think these kind of games have improved hugely since um, Seti Project Red's The Witcher Three. I think The Witcher yeah. Three came out, and I think the way they put so much effort into side missions and side quests, where it never felt like you know perfunctionary in in some mm. way that they put a yeah. lot of effort into that and scripting and, and there was some sense of story behind even the slightest little side quest. Yeah. And I feel that that has had a huge, it, there's been repercussions through that. And I think this was one of them. I never once yeah. doing all these little side quests, all these side missions going off like on tangents through them from the base, uh, from the main campaign, never once did it feel like I, I never once got bored. It's that simple. I never, Never fell out of, mm. like, I was never kind of falling asleep while I was playing it. And never, just, ah, everything. And, uh, yeah, it's just, yeah. it's absolute quality from, I loved it. 
I haven't played the game myself, but I'm very familiar with the script. And uh, um, yeah, when I was going through it, uh, I definitely felt like, oh, they're taking so many cues from The Witcher here in the yeah. way uh, the 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 yeah the the side missions and the the sub quests are um, planned out and plotted out and yeah. uh, written. Because like I'm I'm I, I know that you've worked with Ubisoft before, so you did did you do the Dutch localization for this? Yeah, exactly. This this one uh, we did with uh, I did with a t- team of uh, three other uh, right. uh, localizers or translators. Yeah, yeah, that's fascinating, man. Because yeah. like yeah, because they they put so much work into this. I mean, even the score and the boats and the sh- everything. Like yeah, I mean, the thing is, is cr- there's a crazy amount of dialogue in this game as well. Mm-hmm. Like the the sheer volume of spoken lines. And remember, with Odyssey, it was like the first time you've got a, a kind of dual main character. You can pick, mm. you know, male or female, Alexios or Cassandra. And it was yeah. just... and That's like, why the whole script that we had to translate yeah. was doubled, basically. Yeah, like we had an Alexios line, then followed by a Cassandra line. And uh, like all the different outcomes, yeah. Yeah, that's just... I mean, I, you know, it was that thing that was constantly through my mind when i was playing it is just the sheer work that has gone into this game yeah and you know and it it, it oh it so frustrates me when people just so oh, i played it for 12 hours it bored me and it's just like oh i could kill you right now you know <laughs> it's like i could throttle the life and watch yeah. the light shine the light dim from your eyes as i throw, <laughs> tighten around your throat because you say wow. words like that because it's like it's like I, I just feel like oh man like yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so yeah yeah anyway. I mean people are into different things of course of but course I do are, yeah. get get like you're you're so much into something that you can't just see how other people can be completely turned off yeah but other it. people can yeah. be wrong too you know yeah but so the track that you picked uh, um, yeah it's called Odyssey, right? And it's a Greek yeah. version because it has, it has Greek vocals on it. It does. And there's a track that plays of this. There's two versions of this song. There's an English version, which is a more modern version of the song, which plays mm. over the... I believe it's... Yeah, if I remember rightly. And I should remember because I spent two hours playing it. But um, I think that plays over the end credits. But this one plays... As, you know, it's, it's, again, lousy memory but i can't remember precisely where this fits in but there's there's several points i think this song plays but um but mm. again it's with the music as well there's there's we've talked about this on the black flag show which is the um sea shanties and they mm. have kind of songs that they sing on the ship and you can pick your crew so you can have a male crew or a female crew and both songs, both versions of the, the. Unfortunately, it's not on the soundtrack that way, which really annoyed me. Because, like, uh-huh. um, but if you go on YouTube, there's there's people who've kind of mixed the two vocals together to have like this big choir version, mm-hmm. and it sounds amazing. The fact that, they, and I, I feel like they should have done that for the soundtrack because I would have so picked. I did come close to picking one of those versions for this track, but this one song kind of stood out to me a bit because I find it really. It's got a real classical feel to it. All right, so we're going to listen to Odyssey, the Greek version by The Flight, Mike Georgiades, Fanny Perrier-Rocha of the Assassin's Creed Odyssey soundtrack.
Sounded like uh, a track the with which is supposed to yeah give a bit of an emotional hit right an oh there's emotional a, punch. yeah yeah for sure there's a lot of that in the soundtrack um, mm-hmm. I I really I'm a fan of the flight I think they did a fantastic job working with the um, other composers for the uh, Horizon Zero Dawn soundtrack I think they do this amazing sort of, they have a real knack for like correct sort of ethical uh, ethnic instrumentation you know they use a lot of like mandolins and stuff in mm-hmm. the soundtrack so it's got this it's got you know so you can look at it and think it's a bit cliched you know you're picking greek instrument but it's like yeah but it's set in ancient greece uh why wouldn't you use greek instruments you know it gives it a real vibe yeah and it really works and yeah i mean the soundtracks to the last two games have been well fantastic sarah mm. shackner who did the soundtrack to odyssey uh sorry origins I keep doing that. I keep getting the two fucked up. <laughs> next time, if, if the next, I swear, if the next Assassin's Creed starts with a no, it's oh, going to be yeah. horrific. Because <laughs> it's going to be like, <laughs> oh, God, can, can, you, can you just get them muddled up all the time? Yeah. Um, I mean, you want to talk, actually, this is a good segue, because you want to talk about getting titles muddled up. Oh, yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. This yeah. next game. It, I, 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 I'm never sure what game is being talked about <laughs> when people say the Outer Worlds or the Outer yeah. Wilds. Yeah. Like, wh- 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 what game are you talking about? Please explain. Oh, it's the oh, it's the Obsidian game. Or oh no, it's that uh, that interstellar, uh, uh, so- uh, yeah, solar system dying um, yeah. puzzle game. <laughs> yeah. Like it won so many awards. Yeah. Yeah. 
and they, and they both came out within a couple of months of each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people yeah. are talking about yeah, the Outer Worlds is coming out. I'm like, yeah. didn't that come out like two months yeah. ago already? No, that's the Outer Worlds. Yeah, and that's it. I see clips and think, oh, what's this one? Oh, it's the Outer Worlds. And then you think, and then like a little while later, you think, was that clip the Outer Worlds or the Outer Worlds? I can't remember. And it's just you know, it's like <laughs> all this, and I'm just confused. And that confusion leads me to just like. You know, a step well away from it, both of them at this point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, that's a pick from uh, Ginger Tastic on our uh, forum. Mm. Who writes? I have just finished playing through the Other Worlds, a really good video game, by the way. And thought I would request the title screen music, at, as it is particularly great. I would often save and exit the game so I could come back and listen to this track. It really sets the stage for you going on your grand sci-fi adventure. Yes, so this is the main menu theme, imaginatively titled, by Justin E. Bell from The Outer Worlds.
Yeah, I saw um, I saw Josh yesterday tweeting about this and saying mm-hmm. that he feels the outer wilds will dominate. In in time, the outer wilds will be the game that stands out in the gaming consciousness because the I saw outer that worlds. Too. Yeah, but I thought, well, not if The Outer Worlds comes out with a sequel that's better than the first game that suddenly Mm. then keeps that conversation going. So we might be in this perpetual World's Wilds showdown for years to come. (laughs) The Outer Worlds definitely also sounds like something that could be more the beginning of a larger franchise where The Outer outer Wilds... it's almost more of a one-off thing, you know. Yeah, something that doesn't really need doesn't really need a sequel either. Because like one of them is is it Obsidian or is it a city uh, Bethesda published? I can't. I get confused with all that stuff. But uh, yeah, it's it's Obsidian right. uh, uh, developed and published. I believe they right. self-published the game. Yeah. Okay, so if they now what if they merged with whoever the developer was of the Outer Wilds, and then they made. Like they merged the two, that would like blow people's minds. Surely it'd be like the outer wild yeah. worlds or something. It'd be like it'd be insane, yeah. and it'd be like, yeah, that's kind of maybe they should do that just to screw everybody. But I don't know. I'm I'm already losing it. Uh, yeah, here. I can't. I'm just confused. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the outer worlds by Obsidian, the the track that we just uh, just played, does that sound like something you could be losing many hours in as well? Ah, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I have, I honestly, I've seen everybody tweeting about these games, and I have not paid any attention to either <laughs> of them at all. And I, this is probably what's led to the confusion as well, because mm. I can't discern which is which at this point because I paid so little mind to both of them. Um, the way I go about it is, I don't tend to. I'm not that big on like current news or the current hot game, because it often it mm. often feels like everybody's raving about this game this week, and then next week it's another game that everybody's raving about. So I tend to just switch off to that stuff, and I'm not being aloof. I just, I'm usually just busy playing stuff that came out six months ago, so I don't really care. Yeah, same here, or yeah. six years ago. And I don't pay, yeah, it, well, this is <laughs> it, and case. I don't tend to pay any attention till the game's like sub-20 quid or something in CEX, because that's where it starts then popping up on my radar. But um, yeah. Who knows? I mean, both of these titles could end up. We 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 get so many games given to us, and I think probably the more logical outcome to this would be that one of these games turns up on PlayStation Plus, and then I get into it, <laughs> and then I'm like, ah, now I see yeah. what everybody was talking about, and you're either going to be in the Wilds camp or the Worlds camp. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, fight to the death, go. <laughs> you know, it's just whatever. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, our next pick, my next pick, is from a game that's very much my jam, the type of game that I uh, that my antenna go up for. Um, and this is a game uh, called uh, Twinkle Star Sprites. Uh, when I tell people about this game, they're very skeptical. They, they think it sounds like a load of rubbish. So imagine, I don't know if you're familiar with the game, but imagine like a um, sort of a setup of uh, one of those Puyo Puyo style puzzlers where mm. uh, like versus puzzlers where you sort of clear stuff off the screen and send them to, to your opponent's screen, right? Yeah, yeah. But instead of sort of matching uh, colors or columns or what have you, you're actually shooting down formations of enemies as a little fantasy character 
And once you, you you sort of start volleying trash around to each other's split screen, it's very hyperactive, uh, very uh, yeah, crazy, uh, lots of crazy, excited shouting, sort of anime style. Game of 1996 by a public or a developer called ADK, who sort of made na- their name as a yeah, like a developer of trashy B tier knockoffs of popular arcade games. They did like World Heroes, which was a Street Fighter 2 knockoff. Uh, several other games, not not really bad quality, but definitely mm. lower quality than the games they were inspired by. But Twinkle Star Sprites is truly unique. It's uh, it's their their yeah their one and only really original title, I think. And uh, whenever I try to get people to play it, they sort of like, no, I'm good. But when they actually get a controller in their uh, their hand, I I own the uh, this is a Neo Geo game originally. I own the Dreamcast version. Mm. Uh, when I get the controller in their hand, they become believers. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, Case of Zero 1000 from the forum came around my place uh, a month and or two back, and mm-hmm. I also he was also skeptical as most people are, and we we also really together got into this game uh, and, and got pretty addicted to it, playing one round after the other, um, and it contains one music track in particular that's just impossibly catchy and that's love so the uh, radioactive mix because there are two versions of this track the first one sort of builds up uh and but doesn't really go all the way and then the radioactive mix is where things really really kick off and you get these really sort of catchy piano jingles uh and very hyper cheerful upbeat stuff um yeah if we if we haven't re- really been playing the biggest earworms up until now, this is definitely the um, epitome of an uh, of an earworm. So we're going to listen to "Love So" radioactive mix by uh, a whole bunch of people the, from the ADK sound team, among which Keiichiro Segawa, Yuka Watanabe, Takeshi Muramatsu, Hideki Yamamoto, and so on and so forth. Because there's a whole bunch of people that were just working on the sound. Cre- the specific credits are not that clear. I know that. Uh, Segawa uh, work, went on to move, work with From Software and uh, did uh, audio and com- composition work on, mo- on a lot of their games.
Yeah, so, Twinkle Star Sprites. I think uh, if you're ever uh, in a neighborhood in uh, Amsterdam, I'm going to uh, invite you for a game of that as well. Right, fair enough. Yeah, it's not exactly a title <laughs> that sort of fills me with like, oh, I've got to play that. <laughs> like, no, you know. it sounds uh, almost... Uh, almost uh, uh, sounds very twee. Yeah, purposely twee, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it contains all these really zany characters. My my favorite yeah. character to play is this uh, uh, green haired girl that uh, f- uh, that uh, flies around on flying pigs. And uh, K Sub Zero gravitated towards uh, a, a character called called uh, Arthur Schmidt, like a aloof uh, hmm. uh, person with a with a German name. Yeah, all very nonsensical, but uh, highly addictive. And speaking of K Sub Zero One Thousand. Uh, he made a forum suggestion for our uh, our next track. That's Morphogenetic Sorrow by Shinji Hoso for uh, the Nine Hours, Nine Persons, Nine Doors soundtrack. And he writes, here's a nice, somber, melancholic track to mix things up a little in between all the bombastic fist-pumping anthems of victory we all love so much. Mm. I think, uh, yeah, it seems like he almost uh, was uh, was aware of what we would be playing. Sorry, have we had any uh, bombastic f- fist-pumping anthems so far? Because <laughs> I don't think we really have, have we? <laughs> maybe some of them are slightly bombastic, some of yeah, them are yeah. slightly fist-pumping. Yeah, right. yeah maybe perhaps, maybe yeah, none, yeah. Uh, both at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Although I do find myself uh, pumping my fist to that Twinkle Star Sprite track, if I'm <laughs> totally honest. So he continues with nine hours, nine persons, nine doors left an indelible impression on me when I first played it. And the track that plays during a particular poignant and crucial moment of the game's narrative climax couldn't have been better chosen. Unforgettable in all the right ways. Morphogenic Sorrow by Shinji Hoso.
Yeah, we covered uh, nine hours, nine persons, and nine doors on issue one eighty four of the Kenny Rins podcast. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a game that um, definitely makes an impression on people after they played it. Sort of a mm. escape room visual novel puzzle so, sort of sort of thing. Uh, originally came out on the Nintendo DS. Uh, Case of Zero taught me that's still for a couple of minute reasons maybe the best uh, way to play it, but it's also come out on PC, PS4, and PS Vita uh, in the Zero Escape Nonary Games bundle. Mm. So that's more easily accessible uh, to most people, I guess, and more probably, yeah, more within reach. And the composer of the track that he picked, Shinji Hoso, is uh, a name that we dropped a couple of times when me and Leon did the uh, shoot 'em up special uh, of, uh, of Sound of Play, uh, because he, yeah... His name goes back all the way to the to the eighties. He did the soundtrack for a game called Ordine. Yeah, that's it. Uh, QC shooter, uh, and uh, much later for uh, Under Defeat HD as well for the PS4, uh, PS3, and the Xbox 360. Yeah, have you? I, I don't think uh, you've played that game either, right? Nine hours, nine persons, and nine. Um, hours. I've tried. So I, I when we lived in Lincoln, um, some of. Uh, one of the sort of Italian localization of friend Manu lent me a copy of um I'm trying to think which one it was now. I think it was Virtual Virtue's last re- reward. Right, yeah. Um and I didn't get on with it at all. It's mm-hmm. it's really not my bag. Like if you yeah, it ain't open world for stars, so it's just like um but it was on the Vita yeah. and I think I it's difficult to know whether I had problem I, I I'm not really big on the visual novel stuff. Like it's mm. it's not really I I don't know it, I think it so it it doesn't really translate from your uh, love for mangas for example uh, or well yeah like that. that's that's the thing now what I'm not sure about is whether it it's and and to know this I would have to pl- try and play one on the PS4 on the on the TV because mm. I'm not a big handheld fan either and the yeah. idea, you know I don't like sitting there holding this device to try and kind of play it i'm i just don't i don't get into it like i'm kind of with you there yeah yeah, it's like i'd rather like it's it's this weird thing because you have to kind of hold it differently to holding a controller because i have to look at the screen whilst i'm holding the thing so i I just don't find i don't i'm not comfortable playing them i don't Mm -hmm. tend to play in bed when i go to bed i tend to want to sleep i don't tend to want to sit there (laughs) playing games I, i find that a yeah. It's not the best, but then again, with this kind of game, it probably is more suited to that kind of you want to kind of you know slow down kind of thing. So yeah, I find that I I tend to like a little bit of like what I'll tend to do is I'll play video games in the evening till uh, whatever, and then I'll spend a bit of time on the computer going through the websites and stuff to sort of like switch off and mm. to separate. Sort of, I don't like going straight from playing a game to go to bed. Yeah, you tend to you tend to be wired. Your brain tends to be a little too wired. I find it can be very hard to go go to sleep. Yeah. Uh, directly after that. Yeah, yeah. But maybe these games actually work in a way. But then I kind of I kind of feel they're not really games you want to play when you're tired because you've got to kind of pay attention to stuff and you've got to listen. You've that got to true. read text and you've got to take it in and remember what people are saying. And I think there's a real um, there is something about them, but I've never they've never clicked with me at all. And I just. Maybe there's just something there that maybe one day the spark will be there. It's I didn't get on yeah. with games like uh, Catherine either for some reason. It's and although that's not the same, I guess no, yeah. no. But the you know certain types. I just I'm just niche. I just I'm not niche. I'm just um, 
blinkered in my uh, appreciation <laughs> of video games. Um, I, I, I like, you know, yeah, I, I no, like, that's fair enough. Of course. Yeah, it's like I like looking at the character art and other character designs and that sort of stuff. But beyond that, I've yeah. got very little interest in playing them. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's... I was thinking of maybe there was a link because you're also uh, into into manga. Maybe yeah, yeah. there would be a link there. But a visual novel, uh, ironically, uh, yeah, usually they aren't very visually striking. I mean, most of the mm. time you just see two character portraits yeah, next to each other with, with left, dialogue boxes. Right. Yeah, yeah, there's there's not a whole lot of going on in terms of cinematic framing mm. or action panels or anything like that. Yeah, I think uh, Persona is probably a better game for that stuff. I find. I found myself getting quite interested in watching Persona videos, but not not to the point where I want to play them. But I find them like visually impactful. Yeah. Like there's a you know there's very huge much sense of style. Yeah, 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 yeah. But still, yeah, something completely different. Uh, some people would call this choice uh, Stockholm syndrome. Uh, <laughs> I've been uh, trying to clear Double Dragon Three, uh, the Sacred Stones on the NES, uh, for four weeks now on uh, uh, my streams for the Kenerins uh, Twitch account, uh, and it's an evil beast of a game. Um, yeah, I'm kind of it. It it works on me this way, like if a game really keeps slapping me in uh, in the face, I get only more determined to try and beat it. And I know that this game can be beaten because a lot of games that came out on the NES and on the home computers, some of them were actually just literally unbeatable. Uh, I remember, for example, uh, the PAL version of uh, Tecmo's uh, NES port of Rygar. I was I was never able to, able to beat that game, but apparently the PAL version is actually bucked to where the final boss just won't die. So it wasn't a secret that I never was able mm. to beat that game. But I know this one is beatable, so I know I can do it. Yeah, Stockholm Syndrome almost, uh, because I've been listening to this track of the fourth stage uh, quite a bit in my frenzied attempts to reach the end of the game. I'm not hating the game at all for it. Uh, and I do find this this track, it's kind of, some people would say it's kind of shrill sounding. I think it's kind of like a, a cool little 8-bit approach of sort of Ennio Morricone type of uh, soundtrack. You know, <laughs> it's uh, it has that sort of style to it, undoubtedly inspired by the setting that uh, this this... Mission 4 is set in. So that's uh, Mission 4 then, Italy by Akira Inoue, Takaro Nozaki, Michi, Michi uh, Hirasawa, Yoshiro Kamioka, uh, once again a whole team of, uh, of sound people for Technos Japan Corporation, uh, Double Dragon 3 The Sacred Stones of 
I mean, that's pretty lofty uh, thing where you say 8-bit Ennio Morricone. I mean, that's like, <laughs> you know, that's a pretty, like, lofty claim right there. You know what I mean? It's... Yeah, I mean, the composition sounds very much mm. like something that Morricone would would, uh, would write. And the, the funny thing is, uh, this is something, if you, for example, go through, uh, like, orchestra renditions of classic video game uh, music, mm. um a lot of time, even though the instrumentation was sort of lacking, a lot of times, the, uh, a lot of that the compositions that were being written for these games were, yeah, quite, uh, quite something. And, and yeah, well, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of influence in that early stuff. I mean, some would say influence, others would say ripped off because there's a lot <laughs> that of too. there's a lot of like very much like I'm just going to take that rift from that classic music and and put it into because it's you know arguably it's, it's changed a lot with the the fact that it's on an 8-bit machine and stuff so it's mm. i don't know i mean there's a there's a lot of that i mean look at some of the um the cover art of these classic sort of like 8-bit games and you're like yeah hold on a minute that's like i mean yeah look at the original metal gear it's like i mean uh what you know straight yeah. out of the terminator <laughs> but it's exactly like, yeah it's just you know but there was Ca- so characters much... being traced from movie posters yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. but you know yeah. that's to me that like looking back on that stuff now i mean it's like that's part of the charm of it all that was how it for was sure then, yeah you know so it's just our our hobby was still very much flying under the radar in many cases yeah, so yeah. people could get a- yeah. away with a lot of that stuff um not too long ago i was playing uh a game that's unfortunately named Scat on the Wii uh, Virtual Console. It's an it's an eight bit uh, shooter by uh, for the NES by Natsume, and the main the main two characters are literally called Arnold and Sigourney, and they have their little eight bit uh, character portraits. So you just play as Arnold and Sigourney, not even characters they played in any movie, just the actors' names. <laughs> yeah, that's bizarre. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but I am fascinated by a game being called Scat because Scat isn't exactly a new term, so it's like. Come on! Yeah, like how did they get away with that? Yeah, and, well, I, and I'll never forget downloading the game from the uh, Wii Shop channel on my system, and it yeah. said you just downloaded Scat. Well, you know, this is <laughs> this is something I might not want to uh, tell the whole world about. <laughs> yeah, but so yeah, I mean, by the time you hear this, I will hopefully have beaten uh, Double Dragon um, three. Uh, yeah, we're we're recording this on uh, this uh, on January second. Tomorrow is my uh, my uh, yeah, hopefully my final stream lined up for this. The end boss is just a total total nightmare. It completely outclasses anything you 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 can do. But uh, yeah, hopefully that will be the last of it, and I have beaten uh, uh, Double Dragon three. So that will leave us to sort of tie this one up. Yeah, remember to please venture over to our forum at eight uh, at uh, kennyrins dot com slash forum where you can uh, request uh, a lot of... Uh, yeah, you can request your own uh, picks to be played on Sound of Play, and I definitely urge you to do so, because, uh, yeah, we haven't had a whole lot of new requests uh, lately, and uh, as I said before at the beginning of the of the show, um, Leon has uh, done a, a good job at uh, getting uh, a lot of these requests out and uh, out and played. Uh, you can also, uh, when you follow us on Twitter, uh, or not, but... Do follow us on Twitter uh, at Kane and Rinse. You can use the hashtag uh, hashtag Sound of Play, uh, or go on our Facebook page, uh, Facebook.com/slash Kane Rinse, where you can request your favorites, and we'll continue to include a selection of those in the playlist for each regular Sound of Play podcast as it goes. 
please do subscribe to Sound of Play and leave us an iTunes review your rating. Always really, really appreciate it. And you can also listen to our other podcast, Kane and Rins on Mondays, Playwright on Thursdays, uh, which is uh, Ryan and Ryan workshopping ideas for new video games, uh, and Chris O'Regan's Sausage Factory, where he interviews developers of uh, the games we play. Uh, yeah, leaves me to think that we only don't have a podcast on uh, on Tuesdays yet, right? Good, because I edit most of <laughs> Well, I, I don't edit. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I do a lot. Chris of does editing. his own stuff. Yeah, yeah, Chris does his own stuff. Ryan does his own stuff. So really, I've got plenty of days that I don't edit, but it's... Um, yeah, you get you do a lot of other stuff for the uh, Yeah, so I like having a bit well. of a breather on a Tuesday where it's like I don't have to worry yeah. about what's coming up. <laughs> yeah, and even uh, listeners to uh, everything that Kenny Rins puts out might be happy just to have a day of uh, catching up in between. Yeah, I think there is such a thing as overkill. <laughs> yeah, there is now, a... now that we got these streams running up uh, as well, and we put out articles on the blog, so yeah, there's a lot. There is, yeah. And if you enjoy what we do, please consider donating $1 no, a month no, whoa, through our whoa, Patreon. Whoa, whoa. F- that, it's $3 now. Cheap. Oh, all right, right, right. <laughs> <Let's>, <laughs> yeah, that's all blurb. All right. And if you enjoyed the show, uh, please consider donating $2 a month now through our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash And that leads me to thank you, Jay Taylor, as well as our com- community contributors. Uh, so please keep your requests coming. And our final track, another pick by you. Yeah, you know what? Uh, yeah, do, do tell us about that. So, I mean, I've been playing a lot of this game, Red Dead Redemption 2, because we are... It is literally the first podcast we're covering this year. And it isn't because of that. It's because they added a bloody photo mode to this game like mm. a few weeks ago. And uh, I've had to start it again and then take... And this, this playthrough is going to take me all year to go through it because I can't play for more than a minute without stopping the game and going, oh, let's see if I can take a picture of this. Mm. And it's just, oh, it's so good. But that that game... I see. I I've, I talk about my open world stuff all the time. Like these are the games that I'll just waffle about forever. But I don't know. What have you played any of these? Like I've been into GTA Five. Yeah, that was the the last big open world game that I got into. I oh, see. So you don't even play the the uh, Ubisoft stuff at all, or not? Not no, because I've I've worked on those. So yeah. I'm very familiar with the script. Uh, with the script, so I sort of want to let it uh, sink away and then yeah. pick them up at at some some point. Uh, the Witcher Three is very high up on my list of stuff mm-hmm. to play as well. To play? You mean you haven't played, dude? They got five years ago. What the hell? Yeah, I mean, I still have to. I, for my for my doing uh, or for my preference, I still have to work my way through the first two games before I get to The Witcher Three. I want to play those for before I, uh, well, I, I do that one. I'm curious with this, and this is my theory because um, they so CD Project Red recently renewed their um, IP with um, uh, Sapowski, the 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 author of the book. So they've kind of come to some arrangement with that so that they can still keep working on stuff. And mm. I was thinking, well. They end with three. It ended pretty, sort of, pretty nicely for Geralt and mm. so forth. And so I was thinking, like, either they're going to go with Siri, which would be fine. Mm. I would have no problem with that at all. I think she was a great character. But then, it's part of me thinking, you know, what I'd like more though is basically for you to remake the first two games in mm. Three's engine and to put them on the new systems with all the new kind of stuff that they can do now. 
and because especially the first one because the first one is literally just a PC game it's, it's not out on this it never came out yeah, on the console exactly I'm, play, I'm playing it on a PC currently yeah. yeah and what's funny is whilst we're doing this I mean have you I, I assume you've got Netflix I assume everybody's got Netflix yeah so. yep, yep. yeah have you watched any I, of the Witcher I haven't started watching it yet because I'm trying to get my wife to watch it with me Right. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's 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 going to happen soon. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We haven't had the time to watch anything together yet. See, I've recently. watched it twice from start to finish already. Um, so it's good then, eh? I yeah, I really it really clicked with me. But I think mm. there's I think if you're a fan of the game and and what interests me because I've I've said this before on podcasts where when I play a game I like to watch films that have some that feel similar either in the world or the setting yeah. or something. So when I was playing The yeah. Witcher, I was watching things like Snow White and the Huntsman and stuff like that because there really wasn't anything that yeah, I could yeah, think yeah. of easily. It was like all fan, you know, Hawk the Slayer. Oh my god! But you yeah. know, and stuff like you know, like eighties kind of Conan the Barbarian and so on and so forth. Anything kind yeah. of sword and sorcery, right? Now yeah. I'm watching the or Witcher that, or that BBC Robin of Sherwood series. No, screw that. that well, <laughs> actually, no. That back in the day, I used to watch that as a kid because I, I yeah. actually liked it. That was um, good stuff. Yeah, like the more recent Robin Hood stuff from Kevin Costner onwards. Crap. Yeah. Like, crap. Yeah. Just... But that 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 eighty series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Robin of Sherwood yeah. was really oh, really good we, at the time. I, I I still can't make my mind up whether I like Michael Pride or um, Jason Connery as because you know I think I preferred Pride. Or, or, yeah, but, yeah. Me too. I think. I think. I think that series lost a lot of uh, viewers when they uh, they switched the, the yeah. main character up. Yeah. yeah. It made sense at the time. I felt that there was a, a the contrivance to to swap out the actors was. Quite it was a, pretty good because yeah. they made Robin Hood more of like a mythical title that anybody could could step in, you know, yeah. could step into the boots of. Yeah. yeah. But um, but yeah, now we've got the Witcher TV series. It's what's interesting to me is they've been saying recently all the sites have been writing a story that the Witcher three has had some of its best streaming. Um, moments in terms of the game people mm. have gone back to this game and it's had sort of like this huge uh, resurgence on, on Twitch right. people streaming the, the, the game again which makes me think yeah see I'm not the only one who likes to watch no, stuff no, no. and it's totally tied into the fact that the, the series has come out and just like reinvigorated all this kind of Witcher stuff which is then part of me were thinking it, it once they get Cyberpunk 2077, uh, is it 2077? I can never remember. 2077, yeah. yeah. Yeah, So once they get that out, and that's like probably, that's possibly a day one this year for that. I, I'm, mm. You know, that's a game I'm, I'm so, I, I'm keeping my excitement sort of bottled at the moment because I just want it. yeah, I'll bide my time. But that's definitely on the radar. Yeah. But once that game's out, it's like, what's next for them? And I think, oh, I'll go back to the, just, Totally remake, re, yeah, re, Witcher One, and you know, just for good measure, Witcher Two. <laughs> Witcher One is almost a very different game from yeah, the Witcher well, Three. Is, it feels it? like it's... it would you'd have to completely remake it, like you, yeah, you know, re-record all the lines, redo everything, literally remake it from from the ground up. Yeah, because um, you're very much in these smaller areas, and it works yeah. like chapters, and you never return to older areas again. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, but yeah, so we've kind of flipped off there but it's this whole thing about um i don't know yeah. where i transitioned from the red Dead redemption 2 into the witcher but anyway <laughs> but yeah so open worlds open worlds well yeah and yeah, one open world game that i that i 
did play uh, uh, that you almost might not count as one, but one that I did completely get lost mm. in was uh, Breath of the Wild, of course. Uh, well, that is a, yeah, that's that's a Breath world. of the Wild, and it's it's like definitely a game I want to experience. And for that, I'd have to buy a Switch. And I'm not really into buying multiple consoles these days. I tend to, you know, I've got enough games to play on the one. Yeah, I'm, I don't want that level of like, oh, what do I play? <laughs> the thing but, um, about that game is that it does a couple of things that no other open world game does, and it makes the world around you mm-hmm. feel much more tangible than most other open world games. Like it feels like a physical place well, that you're in, even though it's not as photorealistic as something like The Witcher Three or, uh, especially not Red Dead Redemption Two. But it feels very alive when you're in there. Well, I, so that's interesting to me because you're saying that and, you know, I said earlier that, you know, open worlds seem to change when The Witcher 3 came out. And I feel that that's mm. to do with mission structure and the way that side quests were were uh, focused on in The Witcher it seems to have filtered through some of the better examples of open world games recently. What's interesting yeah. is is you talk about how the world feels alive in the breath of the wild and i'm totally buying that because i've seen enough videos of that to think oh my god i really want to experience that Mm. but what you're what i found with red dead redemption was this for me was that level of like the world itself yeah i have i mean we're talking rock stars so we're talking like you know the kind of the benchmark setters with with open world games you know these are the guys that will push the technology and do stuff that you just genuinely i you know, I, I played this game 15 months ago, or, you know, when it came out, I, I literally played it through for like a couple of weeks or whatever till I finished it. And then I've, I've, going back to it, and this is something that I still get a real buzz out of, when you come back to a game nearly a year and a half later, and it still wows you, you know, you're still like, wow, man, mm. this, you know, and, and it's that point. Because it's kind just, of state of the art, of course. Oh, it is, but it's just this thing, for me, it's not necessarily about visuals, but it's that sense of the world living and breathing. It's like when you ride past the bush and birds fly out of it because you startled them. Oh, and particularly when you're riding mm. in rivers. If you ride your horse and there's ducks on the water, they will all take off. And this, like, you know, what do they call them? A ga- yeah. It's not a gaggle, is it? Um, what's the, I can't remember what the thing of, of ducks is. But you've got this, you know, like a dozen ducks will just take off making loads of noise. And it's that sense of, like, the world reacting to you as the player as you as you wander through it yeah you know and it's that that i i that never ever bores me it never you know i i see this and i'm like god damn that's good you know it's just like it's that (laughs) sense of that palpable sense of like a living breathing place you know Mm. like when you walk into the towns and the people are just doing their thing and that i have i've said it before but i have this thing where i'll follow one person around to see what they do and you see how this routine, this complicated, incredibly sort of nuanced routine that they'll go to the bar, they'll have a drink at the bar, he'll wander out, he'll sit on the bench, and he'll just do stuff as if he was a person. And it's just like that sense of AI programming. You can break it down like really clinically and think, well, it's just this and that and this and that. Yeah. But it's, it's the sense that it gives you as you wander the world and these things react to you. You know, yeah, it's like, like, when like I, what Leon was uh, was telling about, uh, you know, shooting this this boy's dad yeah, and uh, what, yeah. what happened afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm dreading this podcast on one thing because I think once we get started talking about this game, 
this is going to be epic. <laughs> and, yeah. just, and there's five of us <laughs> on the show. Podcast. Two part yeah. podcast coming up. Well, yeah. you know, the patrons get it all, but it's that. Uh, and I've got a longer period now to cut these shows down to the two hours for the free version. So it's like, yeah, okay, I can do this. But this is yeah. a game that I, you know, I just think once we get, hopefully, like, once we get going on this game, it's just because uh, it's those moments, those things for me. But this, um, so keep getting it right back on track with the what this so there's a piece of music that plays in this game so and it's mm-hmm. it's probably only comes up towards the end um it's called that's the way it is by woody jackson woody jackson's score in this game is is what you'd expect from a rockstar game it's quality it's class it's mm, it's yeah. you know it's real it's really good but this one track it's weird right because you can listen to this track on its own and it's a little bit cheesy it's a little bit kind of if you've never played the game, that is, you can listen to it that way. I think if you've played the game and you remember immediately the moment that this game, that this song kicks in on the very particular point in the game, it's like lump in your throat thing, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. and it does that to me. And I, I, when I first played this and came to the scene, I was just silent, you know, it's just that moment of like, oh my God, this is so good, how what they've done, you know, and and I watched a, a Twitch, uh, I wasn't a Twitch streamer, I watched a person, he'd been Twitch streaming it, and he was, it was up on YouTube afterwards, so the archive or whatever. And, and it was, and I get such a kick out of watching people, like, reacting with genuine emotion with these scenes. And he's watching the scene completely, he's not speaking, and, and then suddenly he's wiping these tears from his cheeks and stuff, and he's just, like, mm. totally. And, yeah, that's why, like, you can have this kind of, I wouldn't call it's not unfair to call it an average song because I think it is a good song into itself, but it's it's combined with that very precise point in the game that it kicks in, and it's just so good. It's like just, we always say, context matters. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll go into this in depth on the show, and I need to hold my reins on this because I'm so tempted just to just go. Oh, it's so good! I'm gonna could talk hours for this game and just. <laughs> You know, <laughs> and it's just that thing where, and then going back and replaying it again, and it's all those little moments that you forget about, and you think, "Oh my god, yeah, of course, this, and that, and this bit." Oh god, look at that! And it's just constantly in the moment, and I love that. I love the fact that this uh-huh. game that I played a year and a half ago is like coming back to me in such ways that I just it feels fresh again, you know.
touch your hand May the cards lay out astray All from your command That's the way it is That's the way 